Well, hi. Uh, so, yeah, hi. we are Keith and Juliet. We have been married for 36 years uh, and a bit and change. And uh, so uh, we thought that we would bring a little bit of show and tell for you. And I wonder if we can put that on the screen. How That's about that? Us. That's us in 1983 at St. John's Hall. How about Hartwell. that? There we yep. go. Yep. And uh, a little fun fact, by the way, this, is, this was the church that Mike used to be a member of when he was a student at university. How about that? And I was in the youth group, so we never met. <laughs> so there we go. You can see I had um, hair, my hair had colour then. That was astonishing, wasn't it, really? And so, uh, yes. And so we met uh, when we were at university. Uh, we are only three months apart in age, but our ages span the 1st of September, so we're in different academic years. And so it was Freshers' Week, my second week of university, Juliet's first week of university. Yeah, Freshers' Week, good time. And uh, so we were in the Freshers' Week Christian Union prayer meeting, and the guy at the front said, why don't you turn around and pray with the person sitting behind you? And there I was. Now, Keith always tells this story, but actually, when I turned around, yes, he was there, but he was sitting next to this really nice girl called Helen, who actually became one of my best friends and ended up being a bridesmaid at our wedding. And on that day, um, as much as I hate to say it, he really wasn't looking his best. He had a stinking cold, it was raining, and his coat was actually dripping. I mean, this was not the most attractive sight on the planet, I have to be honest. <laughs> um, but we, as Keith said, we've been married 36 years. We have four boys. Um, and uh, we came here in 2003. We're probably some of the only people who moved from Brisbane in Queensland to um, Watford. Um, we were relocated back with Keith's job. And, um, yeah, so 17 years, and I, um, I'm part of the team here. And uh, the other couple of days uh, a week, I spend caring for my parents. And just so that you know, for us right now, is this is quite a challenging time, because in the last three weeks, um, three weeks ago today, my mum passed away. And this week on Wednesday, Keith's dad passed away. So we're, you know, this has been quite tough for us. So we're in the middle of things which is a kind of story of marriage, really, is being in the middle of things. And so, as Juliet said, Juliet's been on staff here for quite a few years. Uh, I've spent almost all of my working life in business with roles in big companies. Uh, and then for the last uh, four or five years, I uh, work for myself. I'm self-employed and I work as a business coach. So I coach senior business leaders. And then Juliet and I have been working in Soul Survivor, running all of the sort of activity and ministry around marriage and relationship for about, in some ways, 10 years, particularly for about the last five years. And I guess it's because we are just passionate about relationships of all sorts and marriage in particular. And I think we live in an age when uh, it's as tough as it ever was, maybe tougher, to be having uh, relationships that last. Um, and I would think we do sometimes wonder whether we do just have a slightly bizarre obsession with God's passion for couples and marriage and for relationships. And it does drive us, I guess, to everything we do, and we love it. Um, so, yeah. And I think our starting point is that we, we know that as people, 
God made us for relationship, yeah? He made us in his image. He's a relational God and he made us to be relational people. And so relationship is key. And um, we love this word intimacy. It's quite a soul survivor word, isn't it, really, intimacy? We talk about intimate worship and intimacy with God. It's, it's a word we love. And it's obviously a word that's very relevant to marriage. And it's easy to think about the word intimacy in marriage in the sense of physical intimacy and sexual intimacy. And obviously that is a big part of marriage. But actually, probably the most profound part of marriage is a personal intimacy, a relational and emotional intimacy. And we love this definition that we think we might have heard for the first time from J. John, who said we can understand intimacy by thinking of it as into me see. Intimacy is about allowing myself to be known by another person. And I think God made us with a deep, deep yearning as people to be known by another person. But we know that intimacy requires vulnerability. It's only when I allow myself to be known that I can really experience intimacy. But vulnerability is a bit scary, isn't it? It's a bit risky. If Juliet really knew what I thought, felt, and wanted, would she actually still like me? Would I be a disappointment to her? And so I think one of the foundations of all relationships, and certainly marriages that last, is we have to have that courage to be vulnerable. And it applies to all of us, I think. You know, if you're single and you're thinking, I wonder if marriage could be part of my future, learning to be vulnerable in relationships, in friendships, in an appropriate way, is going to set you up well. Yeah, and of course, vulnerability is really hard, isn't it? Because actually, we're all very different. Keith and I are very different. And, you know... Differences can draw us together or they can be stumbling blocks for that vulnerability to occur. And um, differences, we can love them or we can hate them. Now, let's be honest, when we first get married, we love our differences. We think this person is amazing and just, you know, fascinating. And then uh, not very much longer down the track, we get really annoyed by our differences, let's be honest. They drive us nuts. And it's really hard to be vulnerable when you're feeling cross with the other person. Um, I think, you know, we are such different people. And one of the things that I really try and focus on when I am thinking about Keith and wanting to make sure that we can have that vulnerability in our marriages. I always think about Philippians 4.8 that says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I try and think about all the things that are amazing about Keith because... We are different, and we are made to be different. We're made to be unique, and we can celebrate that. And as two unique people coming together, we will build a unique marriage. Our marriage will never look like anybody else's. Your marriage will never look like anyone else's. 
And I think we all know, don't we, that um, with any relationship, and certainly in a marriage, it is the easiest thing in the world to identify our partner's faults. Okay? Am I unique in that? Probably not. Um, and indeed, when we got married, I, uh, another little dirty secret here, I made a terrible, terrible mistake when I married Juliet. Because I married a flawed, broken, fallible human being. I mean, what kind of rookie error was that? And the thing that's almost hard to believe is that Juliet made the same mistake, okay? We're broken people. It's the easiest thing in the world to focus on our flaws. But that is a hiding to nothing for a relationship. We have to find ways to value and see uh, what's good about the other. And this has been a real journey for us, as Juliet says. We have raised four boys. At one point, we had four children under the age of six. That's pretty tough. We've had all sorts of challenges through life. And we've gone through all of that. But in the last five or so years, we've tried to work together to build something here around marriage and relationship. And that is probably the hardest thing we've ever done in our life. In fact, it's probably put more strain on our marriage than anything we've ever done. Some of you who know us, know us well will know that we are very different. I am a very structured, logical, rational person. I think in an A, B, C, D, linear sort of way. Seems great to me, works. Juliet's not. Juliet's very creative. She's intuitive. She's insightful. She's literary. She reads a lot. She thinks about words, and she writes really well. So we've had to, over the last few years, had to write courses and write scripts for events and all sorts of things like that. And I tell you, there have been times when we have literally nearly come to blows. And there was a time probably two and a half years ago, honestly, when I said to Juliet, why don't we just forget this whole lark of trying to work together, it's too hard. You know, we're going to kill each other. And, and I, I really honestly thought we should just stop and not do it. But we've persevered and we've tried and we've kept going. And I think in the last year or two, we've started to learn to value each other's strengths, to see how the other person is different from us in a good way and to work together valuing what's good about the other. And I think this gets more fun because everything changes over time. So another dirty secret. This is not the person I married. I didn't marry this person. I married a different person who became this person because we change over time. And so we have to constantly keep getting to know each other as we change over time. You can't build a 36-year marriage over what you got to know about each other in 1983. And so life changes and we have to change with it. And I think one of the things that we've really learned as we've gone through 36 years is that we are kidding ourselves if we think we know what's coming if we think we know what's coming down the track, if we think we can plan for 10 years, 20 years into the future, we can't. Frankly, we hardly know what's going to happen next Thursday, let alone five years from now. And so when we think about our marriages, instead of thinking, let's have a great plan, honestly, I've got to tell you, for us, it often feels, marriage feels like standing in the middle of a field without a map, like we don't know where to go next. 
So when we think about how we're going to work together and how we're going to make a marriage last, we have to think about who's the person I want next to me in the wilderness without a map when I've just lost my compass. And the answer is I want someone whose character I trust and whose values I share. And I think we've seen more and more as we go on that it's characters and value that are what are going to keep us together 10, 20, 30 years from now more than those epic plans and goals that we had at the beginning. And I I remember very clearly when we were about to get married um, uh, having a bit of a wobble and thinking, oh my goodness, you know, what am I doing? Is this right? And the world seemed just like a very big, scary place and rather overwhelming. And, And I remember having this picture in my head of... Um, me standing with this rucksack about to go on a hike and thinking, oh my goodness, if life is an adventure, who would I want to go with me? And I thought, actually, I'd want Keith. I'd want Keith to go with me because he's got strengths where I'm weak. He sees things that I don't. And actually, he'd be able to know where North was without a map. I, I wouldn't. I get lost with Google Maps. You know, I mean. And I could see over the hedge. And he can see over the hedge, yeah. The tall and the short of it, you know, we have different perspectives, literally. So that, that's been a real, a real focus for us, hasn't it? Real focus. And alongside that, I think in this journey that we've been doing, it's about understanding what you bring to the relationship. Understanding who you are. Dealing with your stuff, frankly. You know... We have to focus on serving and loving the other person. Um, And we bring into marriage all sorts of things from our past, some of which are not great um, and we need to deal with, but some of which are really good. And, you know, uh, there was one point in our career, and in fact there's a couple here today who knew us well during those years, um, who, uh, uh, when Keith was working away, um, you know, he'd be away probably a week a month on average, And I had four young children. Now, for me, I mean, that was tough, but I'd had the blessing of growing up in a a loving family. I was one of five children, where my dad was away during the week um, and would be home at weekends. Quite often that would be the case. And so I'd had modelled for me how to do that, how to do that in a loving relationship. I'd been set up for that. That's a good thing I brought into our relationship from our past. But that's not always the case. No, and I think we, we have seen, we, you know, we have worked in one way or another with well over 200 couples in the last five years. And I think what we've been struck by is how we all underestimate what we bring with us from our past and how that affects our relationships. Yeah, we all bring with us all sorts of things. We're broken people. And those affect our relationships. And one of the things that we can do to help our relationships is to invest in having God heal our past of all the various things that we've all got. It's just normal. And I think that, uh, again, if there's one thing we would say to people who are single and want, want to think about marriage as a possibility for their future is do the work with God of dealing with your stuff of dealing with your past because we've all got it and it will set you up well for relationships and 
I think, you know, we see a, a big change in the last 10 years, probably, with the rise of um, online dating, which is now huge. You know, more than 50% of marriages in the UK now uh, are between couples who met online. It's the norm. It's how people meet. And one of the things that that means is we see much more diverse couples than we used to in the past. Couples who come from very different cultural, ethnic, national backgrounds in different ways. Uh, and in many ways, that's wonderful. It's fantastic. God loves the diversity in the world. And it's great that these couples get together. But what we see is that they have to work harder to understand what they bring with them from their past and their backgrounds because they're very, very different. And, uh, you know, we saw a couple recently and uh, she, was, uh, she was white and English and he was a, a black Afro-Caribbean guy who'd spent his whole life living in America. Uh, you might think that's a tough start. But then we found out he'd come from Yorkshire. So, yeah, and she was I mean, from Essex. Not a hope. I mean, Yorkshire and Essex. How are you going to manage that cultural difference? And I think one of the things that we've been very blessed with is that um, we didn't do this 36-year journey on our own. Very much not on our own. And the, uh, one of the things I love about Soul Survivor is we've, we've, we've kind of got this thing that life is meant to be done in community. Or I hope we've got that a bit, haven't we? And that relationships are meant to be done in community. And marriages are meant to be done in community. We're not meant to do this on our own. And I think one of the things that we see that is heartbreaking is so many couples who maybe are having a tough time and are struggling a bit and who feel all alone. They feel isolated in their journey and their challenge. And that there's still something that feels a bit taboo about saying, actually, we're struggling a bit right now. And I think that, you know, hopefully we all love this phrase that we hear so much here, which is, it's okay to not be okay. It's a lovely soul survivor value, isn't it? And we want that for us as couples too. As couples, it's okay to not be okay. And one of our passions for Juliet and I is, can we help to build a community of couples in soul survivor that we can do the journey together with in marriage? And one of the things I think we'd encourage everyone who's married is to say, find people, find other couples and single people who you love, who you value, who you respect. Take that risk of being a little bit vulnerable and sharing the journey. It's a vital part of us having marriages, I think, that last. We were very blessed, really. Um, at the start of our marriage, we joined this little church in North London, and there were two or three couples who were married about the same time as us, and we, we did life together, and we did life together in very practical ways. And there's this one couple um, who we are still very close friends with, and um, we were just getting to know them. And uh, I'd ring them up and say, oh, you know, could we meet? Could we have a... Should we get together? And they say, oh, we just need to ask Henry... And I'd be like, this is a bit weird. Um, who's this Henry? And I'd say to Keith, you know, we'd only met them a few times and we'd been to their flat perhaps once. And I said, oh, I'm sure they didn't have a flatmate. This is a bit weird. Who's Henry that they keep referring to? So we finally plucked up the courage to ask them who Henry was. And they thought this was hilarious and pulled out their red account book. I have to say, this was in the days before Excel spreadsheets, okay? And they taught us how to budget. 
saved our marriage because at that point, there are, mar- you know, we said we're different, we're very different because Keith, let's be honest, is a spender and I'm not, I'm a saver. And so this was a big issue between us. And if you've got a bank statement, you know, with a red line and a D by it, Keith thought that meant delightful. So it's true. But they taught us how to budget, didn't they? And it transformed transformed our lives, probably saved our marriage. And we we were able to do that because we were in relationship with them. You know, there was no judgment. It was okay not to be okay. And so I suppose from that we would say, don't forget the simple stuff. Be kind. You know, at... Wedding services, often people read 1 Corinthians 13, don't they? Love is patient. Love is kind. My goodness, couldn't we transform our relationships if we could do those two things? Can I be patient with Keith? Can I be kind to Keith? Actually, can I be patient with myself and kind to myself too? Kindness is so underrated and it's so precious It's Jesus' kindness that leads us to salvation, isn't it? Kindness is so important. And then the other thing that we read in 1 Corinthians 13, isn't it, is love keeps no record of wrongs. Boy, couldn't we do with taking that into our marriages? You know, honestly, I think if we could do love is patient, love is kind, and love keeps no record of wrongs, we would be 90% of the way there. And when I read those, I just think, Lord, help me. Boy, do I need help with those. I have to say that I I don't know about anybody else in the room here, but I don't have a great memory. Keith has a much better memory than I do. I don't have a great memory, except for when Keith commits some heinous crime, (laughs) like not putting the cup in the dishwasher. And, uh, And then, of course, I have absolutely perfect recall of every misdemeanor he's ever committed in the whole of his life. I mean, we're wired that way, aren't we? So, love keeping no record of wrongs. It's a big deal, I think, for all of us. Very big. And I think, um, in a way, sort of coming into land a bit, um, the Bible has, you know, lots and lots of fantastic teaching about relationships and marriage, and Juliet and I sometimes run courses that last several days on this stuff. But uh, there's a big chunk in Ephesians in chapter 5, and there's loads in there. Uh, And the passage there is sort of prefaced by uh, verse 21. Ephesians 5 verse 21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And it, it gives us this setting, this sort of context for the whole of our Christian lives and for the whole of Christian community and relationships, and particularly for marriage, of being other focused that relationships thrive when we are other-focused. And I think what we see so often is a couple get together and they fall in love, and that's lovely, wonderful. And to start with, they're very focused on each other. They're very self-focused. And that's okay to start with. That's great. But then a point comes, I think, in a a mature relationship where they start to be more outward-focused. And I think there's sort of a lovely picture, isn't there, of, a, of two people looking at each other and then turning and standing shoulder to shoulder looking out. 
And there is something about being servant-hearted that thrives in great relationships. And I think it applies to all of us. You know, we've been married, we've known each other for 38 years. For the whole of 38 years, pretty much entirely and continually, we have served in some capacity as a couple in the church, broadly speaking, in some way or another. And that has been a fundamental part of, of, of the, the spine around which we've built our marriage. And I think that, you know, introspection, reflecting on ourselves, dealing with our inner selves is vital and a vital part of Christian maturity. But it is equally vital that we have the balance of being outward-looking and having a servant heart. And as I say, I think it applies to everyone. If, you're, if you are a couple and you want to build more richness into your relationship, find a way to serve together somewhere. If you're dating and you're thinking, is this the one? We've all thought that at times. Find a way to serve together. Go on a mission trip, join a team, volunteer at the food bank, do whatever. You'll see character, people's character and values coming alive when we serve. And if you're single and you think, I'd love a relationship that might have a future, don't join the gym, join the welcome team. Serve alongside people, see them as they work. It's such a foundation, I think, of all kinds of relationships that last. There's another piece to that as well in this serving bit, because as we said at the beginning, Mike said, you know, we need each other. Our marriage partner is never going to be the person who provides everything that we need. We need community. There's a, an African proverb that probably few of you have heard that says, um, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a community to build a marriage. And our passion and our vision is to see Soul Survivor Watford become a place where relationships work, where fa families thrive, and where people come to know Jesus. Because of that, they come in the doors because they want to know, how do we do it? We do it through relationship with him and relationship with one another. Um, you know, th this, is, this is so key. And I, I just want to... Um, say a couple of very, very quick things as uh, we change the furniture and the band um, come back. First of all, <coughs> I think there'll be a number of uh, couples here that actually you're secretly thinking, oh my goodness, if they knew the worst things about my marriage. And it's like my, our marriage, we, we know the worst bits that we hide from other people. And it's like, oh, oh, my, my marriage isn't as good as everyone else's marriage. I think most couples think that. I think that's what goes on in most couples. And what we want to do in this church, and we've said it so many times, is to be a family, a community, where, as we've said, it's okay not to be okay. And it's okay uh, if, if you're married. There's no shame in we're struggling Everyone struggles at times. This is what Keith and Juliet were saying. And one of the things that, that I find hilarious is the, the hardest time in their marriage is when they've been preparing marriage courses for this church. Um, that says something, doesn't it? 
And, and so we, we want to be a family together and to serve each other. And the, sec- the other thing I'll just say quickly is, um, again, this is part of a series. So please hear this alongside um, the, the, um, the, the talk on singleness, the talk on friendship. And for, I know this might be painful in some ways to hear this. For those, who, those of us who've never got married, those of us who have lost a loved one and it's been a heartbreak, those of us that have, have, got, have gone through the, the pain of divorce, and we can feel um, sad and we can, we can feel sometimes like there's, some, there's something wrong with us. And we're all in this together. We are all one family together and we need each other. Married couples need single people. Um, families, you know, need, need others and 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 the other way round. Those of us, for whatever reason, whatever reason, are single. We need others around us, and God calls us to be family. And just what Juliet said towards the end there, you know, if it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a community. Um, to, 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 to make strong marriages. And it takes all of us. I can be involved as a single man in his 60s in helping marriages thrive in this church. And so can we all. We belong together. We're in it together. And I just want to make sure that we all hear that. What we're going to do is... Um, is uh, just before we're going to worship and we're going to pray for some folk, but also I think I will say it. We haven't, I think, um, uh, it's fairly soon, uh, Keithy and Juliet are going to do a couple of Monday evenings, um, uh, follow up on Monday on, on, on marriage, and for those that would love. Uh, to do that. It's not a great commitment. Uh, it'd be one, one Monday and then a month later, something like that. We'll, we'll tell you the dates hopefully next week. Uh, but I just want to encourage you. This, this, is about, this is about every kind of marriage. However great your marriage might be, it's about investing and making it better. And it benefits all of us. We're committed in this church to, to supporting uh, families Uh, in every way.